Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. And I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 51 of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we've gone out of our way to watch as many films as possible, even the bad ones, so you, the listener, don't have to. That's right, Craig. And we've got a really great show lined up for you today with five films in total. Craig, what are we reviewing? Well, first up, we have Malcolm and Marie, written and directed by Sam Levinson, starring Zendaya and John David Washington. This is being released globally on the 5th of February on Netflix. Then it's over to Amazon Studios for One Night in Miami, directed by Regina King, based on the stage play of the same name. And it stars Kingsley Benadir, Eli Gorey, Aldis Hodge and Leslie Odom Jr. We're then heading back over to Netflix for The White Tiger, directed by Ramin Bayrani, starring Adarsh Gaurav, Rajkumar Rayo and Priyanka Chopra Jonas. This is out globally today on Netflix. Blythe Spirit is next. It's a Sky original and it's directed by Edward Hall, starring Dan Stevens, Isla Fisher, Leslie Mann and Judi Dench. This is available to watch right now on Sky Cinema and Now TV. Outside the Wire will round the show off and it's directed by Mikkel Hafstrom, starring Anthony Mackie and Damson Idris. This is available to watch right now on Netflix. Oh, there's a lot of um, tongue-twisted names in there today, isn't there? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we got through that introduction, you know, fault-free. I thought it was very good, Craig. Well, uh, I will note to listeners that we practiced that numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did, we did, we did. And it paid off for doing so. Anyway, David, how are you? How are you doing? I'm, oh, Mr. Fields, I'm tired. I've got a lot of, um, a lot of stress going on at work at the moment, but... Uh, Really pleased to have watched these five films and really looking forward to reviewing them. Uh, I do have a little story to share with you, but one thing I will say is I listened back to week 50 and I realised I didn't ask how you were and I keep doing this. So, Craig, <laughs> how art thou? Oh, I didn't even realise when I was... Um... I didn't ask how you were. You asked how I was. I did sing your praises a bit, but I didn't even ask how you were. So I thought this week I would get the obligatory how are you in. Well, I'm, I'm doing fairly well. Well, um, you know, there's a lot of things going on in terms of being in a lockdown and trying to occupy your time um, for mm. myself. Going out for walks at the minute is is one that um, I'm doing Lovely. with work. So it's I'm obviously not going to reveal exactly what my job is, but um, we are as 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 a, a support worker, I suppose, um, mm. going for walks with some of the people that I work with and we're raising money for Mind. Um, we're trying to do, I think it's 70 miles combined, all of our walks over time. And, and, um, and I'm using my Apple watch to do so, like to track Mm. them, track the workouts and, um, God bless this Apple watch. It's amazing. Like it's so good at recording everything. And it's, um, I'm, I'm really like loving it. Um, I, 
I just wanted to say, I remember when you first got your Apple Watch and you we went out for dinner and you paid for dinner on your watch. <laughs> that was like the most 21st century thing. Yeah. Craig was so happy when it was like, you know, the bill came and he was just like, put his hand out and paid with his watch. Unbelievable scenes. You make me sound like an absolute, oh. <laughs> it was great though. It was nice to see you enjoying your new gadget. Yeah, I mean, I was just um, trying it out for the first time. I wasn't trying to be cool or anything. It was just like, you know, pay on yeah, that I new device, you know, I don't know. <sighs> I've got a, I've got a little story to share with you. So I've been having some troubled sleep recently. And a few nights ago, I had a horrific nightmare. Mm. It was like genuinely scary. You know, those nightmares that really do disturb you. But then it took a really weird twist where it turned into like a game show or like a, or like a, an Xbox game where I was being given options. So it was like option A, confront the ghost. <laughs> option B, run away. So I obviously ran away. But then it started to get heavier. It was like option A, save your brother. Option B, leave your brother. Obviously, being the noble man that I am, I saved my brother. But this dream got more and more bizarre. And then the end, the end, Craig, I got two options. It was option A, end game. Or option B, would you like to go to the gift shop? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I went to the gift shop and it was full of ghost masks and ghoul paraphernalia. And it was just the weirdest dream. Was this Autumn Towers? It does hark back to Alton Towers a bit, but it was really, I was genuinely scared, but then it was just, would you like to go to the gift shop? (laughs) So I went to the gift shop. It was like a little avatar walking around and I honestly woke up laughing um, because it turned from a nightmare into this hilarious, bizarre dream. But I thought I'd share that that's with a, you. It may have been total nonsense. That's a, a but... brilliant way of dealing with a dream, like a night or a, not a dream, a nightmare, by turning it into a dream, by turning it into a game, and mm. getting it su- to suggest to you to go to the gift shop. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? It, it is uh, bizarre. I mean, it's it was better than my uh, anecdote that I had about eating a hundred jaffa cakes in three weeks. Uh, you ate a hundred jaffa cakes. I did. I did. Yes. So my nan and granddad managed to get over to me just before christmas yeah um a hundred jaffa cakes wow they know i love jaffa cakes and That's I, a lot I, of I don't jaffa think cake. i love them quite that much but evidently i do actually because i ate a hundred of them <laughs> and, you know what? i say i ate a hundred there were a hundred um my partner charis had three um out of all of those so you ate 97 if my math serves me correctly yes yes i did and um I, 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 not just because of that, I have put on considerable weight during mm. all of these lockdowns across all of them over two and a half stone. And, um, yeah, I mean, it does, does it, does it look like I've put on weight? Uh, mate, you're very small on zoom. It's really hard to tell. <laughs> obviously with this lockdown, I can't see you. I'm actually back on, on, and regular listeners will know that this happens every sort of three or three to four months i'm back on my diet i'm trying to live a bit healthier lose a bit of weight what about um, um the smoking are you still doing that or is that finished are you back on that or what's going on well my parents don't actually listen to this podcast um they think i've quit but i am smoking again oh no <laughs> knowing my luck they'll actually listen to this episode and i'll get a text say david why are you back on the fags (laughs) no but no so yeah i i did quit smoking for about five months and i'm smoking again but uh you know it is it is what it is maybe you should um dial that down a little bit maybe i should i'll 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 try and cut back on the nicotine you cut back on the jaffa cakes and we'll both be a lot all right well 
What I will say before we go into anything else of the show is that there isn't mm. going to be a box office rundown for obvious reasons. I think it's fair mm. to say that there's no need to go into any details about that now because we are still in the lockdown. If there are cinemas yeah. showing films in the US or other countries that are not in a complete lockdown, um, obviously you guys will know that um, if you're listening to the show. Um, but uh, predominantly our listeners are possibly UK bound and um, for that reason we're not going to um, explore our UK box office as we usually do. But what are we going to do first then David, really? So first we're going to review Malcolm and Marie. The film sees writer and director Sam Levinson teaming up with Zendaya and John David Washington. Washington is Malcolm, a filmmaker, and Zendaya is Marie, his girlfriend and his muse. The pair are returning home following a celebratory movie premiere where the celebrations should continue long into the night as they await the imminent critical success of his movie. But things take a turn and the evening descends into a test of their love, their relationship and the sentiments. (laughs) Sentiments. It's supposed to say, it's definitely spelt wrong. Sorry. And the sentiments and the meaning of cinema. (laughs) Oh, Craig, you spelt it wrong. Sorry. It takes a while to put a script together and a show together. And sometimes there's not enough time to check over the spellings. But we don't have a clip for this one yet. Um, The um, clips have not been released by Netflix thus far. Um, But we're going to jump straight into stuff about this movie. So... Um, David, thank you for summing up the film with that synopsis there. Um, I'm going to come in with the the way that this movie was created to begin with and why it was created. And I think it's really amazing. But to start off with, so, so many people during this COVID lockdown or number of lockdowns have ended up disappearing um you know, not going on Zoom, not communicating with their friends, but doing other things, you know, something creative. Uh, I know a lot of people have been doing sourdough maker kits, which is, <laughs> I must say, no mean feat. Um, I've witnessed it firsthand. Um, others have learned a new skill. But for Sam Levinson, uh, the director of this very film and writer, he felt a sense of duty and responsibility to bring a crew that he's worked very closely with um, on Euphoria, which is a TV series, um, uh, yeah. know, trying to uh, bring them back from this subsequent COVID shutdown, um, which Euphoria was about to start filming again, um, but shut down right before they went to start work on it because of COVID-19, of course. Um, so because he had this sense of responsibility um, to try and get these guys back into work or give them an income safely whilst a lockdown was happening he reversed engineered this entire film so starting with that sentiment of wanting to help these people out he was talking to zendaya who is an actress who works uh who stars in euphoria uh with sam levinson as the director and they've actually made uh, struck up a very close relationship over the last two years um working with on euphoria and 
they started bouncing some ideas about what this film could be about. Um, and they were looking at possible locations and how they could make a movie centered in a almost one location place. And they, they thought they could do that in LA, but they couldn't because of COVID restrictions. Um, and they basically had to think about how they could put a movie together in the best way possible. And they've ended up creating something that is a very rich story mm. and, and builds on a, a true character study almost. It's it's like yep. a, a relationship piece that is just off the scale relationship piece. Yeah. it's It centers on on filmmaking as a process i think yeah um and i think that goes hand in hand with being critiqued as well yeah so that this is essentially what the undertones of this film is about and as you said in your synopsis a filmmaker played by david john washington who is malcolm he's returning home from a premiere of his own movie and their conversations that they have throughout this film is just so in-depth and interesting and so real. Mm. It's it's stunning to watch this unfold on screen. It really is. Yeah. I'll let you come in here. <laughs> so, yeah, I really appreciate that, Craig. I didn't actually know that about this film, and it makes it even more intriguing. Um I don't know where to start with this review, but I think I'm going to start by saying I was completely blown away by this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this this film this filmmaker who's coming back from this um, premiere with his girlfriend, and like like the synopsis said, it should be this <laughs> this night of uh, celebration and success. But it turns into this really deep analysis of both characters, their history, um, their relationship, um, what it means for their future. And it's just an absolute roller coaster of a journey. The, the film literally starts with a camera outside of a house, complete silence. And then we see a car pull up and the two the two main characters come out. And the early cinematography in this film, Craig, was so striking. I don't know if you noticed how when John David Washington was walking around, pacing around his house, the camera would move from side to side with him. And it was almost like we were looking in on this this argument unfolding. And I just thought the cinematography was, um, was great. It's from Marcel Rev, who has worked with this director on, on other projects like you were talking about. Um, and the the main thing, sorry, I was just going to say the entire cast and crew have Mm. worked as part from John David Washington or David John Washington. Have I said that wrong already? You said it wrong. It's John David Washington. Um, (laughs) <laughs> so they've all worked together in some ways, but yeah. namely the cast and crew um, have worked on Euphoria together. And this is this yeah. is as I said in that beginning bit. They they've they all know each other very very well. And yeah, I know you're about to to start on with the cinematography, but you're right. It's it's incredible. Um, I'll let you continue with with the cinematography. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it was just interesting doing a bit of research. Obviously, I didn't know what Craig has, has explained to us. I noticed that this director had worked with the same cinematographer, the same people on production design, and the cinematography is striking. But the, the thing about this film is it heats up fast. Like, their, their arguments start, and the acting is great. I've always said when you have heavy dialogue like this and there's lots of dialogue, it is so difficult for actors to, to bounce off of each other and to make it seem natural. Um, and it was so natural. Um, the script was absolutely on point. Like this is probably one of the best scripts I've encountered since maybe something like Parasite, which I thought was brilliantly written as well. Um, and I just want it to not a spoiler, but... John David Washington has what I call the mac and cheese monologue. <laughs> Do explain. When he's eating that macaroni and cheese and he's giving that monologue oh, where he's sort yeah. of putting his girlfriend down and saying saying various things. And it's 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 just brilliant. Um, his his physicality my, in that yeah. and the way he delivers the, 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 the speech as well and, and and it's it's incredible, isn't it? He's such a yeah. athletic person in that sense like we saw in Tenet you know people were saying if there were reviews from him about him in Tenet that saying that he couldn't act and I couldn't I couldn't disagree with that more I thought he was mm. phenomenal in Tenet I thought he was yeah. great in Black uh, Black Klansman and and mm. this solidifies him yeah. in a leading role like he is yeah so good in this it's it's so yeah. hard to describe but you know I, I, we we was i was saying before and you've said a few times now he's a, he's a filmmaker and mm. in this film as it unfolds there's this process that he's talking about about making films and then how it has to be critiqued mm. um and as a as a as a director having your work scrutinized must be so yeah. difficult and it's such a difficult pill to swallow in sen in in a sense when you get those a bad review or even yeah. a great review that you might actually disagree with what they're saying because they've completely got it wrong and that made me mm. feel uncomfortable watching the film because it made me feel like what am i going to say about this film that could be completely <laughs> wrong now not only yeah. from that point of view when i was watching this was i having those feelings I was having these uncomfortable moments of watching these arguments unfold, but it went so perfectly from one conversation that unraveled these deeper meanings of their relationship that it, mm. it, it, so, it was so evident that a lot of this came from the director and the producer who is, is his wife, Ashley um, Levinson is his wife and they, she produced this film as well. And, one of the main parts of this film or one uh, that came from their relationship was not thanking her. So yes, for, spot on. for the um, uh, premiere of, I can't remember what film it was now. And that's really bad. Um, Assassinate assassination nation. I think it was. So they were at the premiere there and he didn't thank his wife and the, the, the same um, plot device there was planted in this film. And it, yeah. It blossomed into this incredible acting that came in mm. from Zendaya as well, uh, who is an absolute beacon in this film. Like we've seen mm. her in so many films as being this young teenage actress, 
with all of these emotional highs and lows. But to see her play this wonderful woman on screen who, mm. yes, she's young and but I, you know what i didn't see it at all like, i didn't care no. about any of that she portrayed the person she needed to portray and it was yeah. it was an absolute oh it was incredible performance both performances yeah. are absolutely incredible they really are um you want to come in here don't you yeah just just two things to touch on firstly um it's it's weird that we've we've both researched this film and we've come out with similar similar answers uh, or similar thoughts um that idea that john david washington can't act and he couldn't act in tenant is absolute nonsense uh, and like you said he, he completely proves that here as well and there was absolute uproar on film twitter so by film twitter i mean people critics who are tweeting about films talking about movies about the age difference between these two didn't notice it didn't see it didn't care um and yeah i just wanted to say that but in terms of the performances zendaya is fabulous and she has this complex character and what i love about this film is the way it unravels or peels back like an onion various layers of their character malcolm hasn't thanked marie and we initially think, well, maybe it's just a mistake. But what we don't realise is that the film that he has made is actually based upon or loosely based upon Marie's life as a recovering addict. Um, which is, which I must admit, is so meta because her character in your yeah. Euphoria as well is an addict as well. And um, that was something that I didn't realise because I haven't seen Euphoria. But um, that was something mm. that when mentioned to me by... Um, uh, somebody else i was it clicked together that just how this universe of characters and people that have worked together to create this film have created something that's so inclusive of everybody yep. involved that have made it and and that goes for saying because obviously zendaya is a producer on it so is um uh, 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 david washington in this they, they are all like um have invested money in this film as well so they own this film not only financially but creatively um and zendaya had a lot of input um in in the creation of of this film and it really shows and yeah you know what i really love david there's a performance within a performance in this film and it was yes the standout moment for me and Mm. an oscar worthy moment i think well I, I did tweet about this. So as as people know, Road to the Oscars, I follow the Oscars with, with great passion. And there is tremendous Oscar buzz for Zendaya. Um, you know, you, you I, put, I put a tweet out the other day with hashtag Zendaya and it got lots of likes and retweets. Like she's got a huge fan base. Um, she was introduced into the betting market at eight to one for best actress. That was clipped into seven to one. The, the moment you're talking about the performance within a performance is... You know how people win Oscars and you can you can pinpoint the moment that they won yeah, it. Absolutely. This is where she, I'm not saying she's going to win an Oscar. She may not even be nominated, but that is where she stamped her authority on the Oscar race and said, I'm here. I'm a big contender. Her character, Craig, was so unbelievably complex. And we learned so much about her, her addictions, her mental health struggles and some of the monologues that are in this film, not only is there real bits of humour in the film, would you agree with that? Yeah, there really are. Yeah. Yeah. In the mac and cheese scene. 
Yeah. Like, even yeah, though I, it's it's it has many levels to it it's quite humorous in the way it yeah. it, it, it um it unfolds in terms of the physicality you know it's funny it is funny it's but it, mm. the film is also incredibly romantic in some ways it's incredibly yeah. heart pounding exhausting to watch um it's got so much to say even though it's tr- it in the script you know the dialogue is saying i have nothing to say here like mm. so so there's a lot going, so many levels of meta-ness going on here because the director is getting and has written a script about a filmmaker who is being criticised for his film or could be criticised for a film that he's made and is saying, you know, the films aren't always about what you're trying to say, that the critics are saying they're about. Is it about politics? Is it yeah. about this? But by extension of him suggesting that this film, that he, the, 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 the character in the film has made isn't about politics, instantly turns this film into something that could be talking about politics and it's Mm. so ironic in that way and satirical i suppose as well and it's you know you know is he talking about the true depths of filmmaking and his 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 love for cinema comes through and shines through and i think no more so and in what you've already touched upon is the cinematography as well because of the choices that he's made here to shoot this in black and white is mm. is is amazing in itself and there was a quote that i found from zendaya i might be paraphrasing this a little bit but the fact that it's shot in black and white with black actors that are you know it's harking back to a time when films were shot predominantly in black and white in hollywood and it didn't allow black actors to have their own voices and it's mm. so poetic in that way that it's like coming full circle that a film made in hollywood you know, a Hollywood production um, is shot in black and white with a black cast. There are no white actors in this whatsoever. This, there's only there's two. two actors in this <laughs> film. They are black and they have their voices heard and it's mm. loud and clear and it's it's just stunning to see. Technically, on the, on the cinematography level, the choice of location it, with it being basically a glass house is so great like it's the way they've lit the lit this film because of the way that the film stock it's shot on so it's shot on 35 millimeter kodak um double x film stock which gives this film it's really strong contrast in these like deep blacks and these really harsh whites but it, the downside to that is that it has a really low sensitivity so they needed ton of light to to to, to mm. shoot with this film and they managed to achieve that because of their choices of location but the way that they've executed this with their choices of location with the characters or the actors that they've chosen to have in this film the number of crew that they had all executed so that they could shoot an absolute masterpiece right through a covid-19 pandemic lockdown and the fact that they've made this film during that time, you know, even if it was outside of a lockdown, outside of a pandemic, this film would have still been difficult to achieve. But I don't think it would have actually existed because of the way it came about. Because of the yeah. pandemic, this film is an extension of that creativity. People honing skills that they didn't really have time to do before. Like I said in the beginning of the review, people 
locking themselves away and trying to try do something new, be creative, do something they've never won, never been able to do because they haven't had the time. This is that film for Sam Levinson. You know, it's but it's it's giving back as well, and I absolutely adore that about this film. Yeah, that's great, Craig. What you said. Um, one thing I did want to say briefly, and I think it might be the most one of the most beautiful bits of cinematography filming I've seen for a long, long time, is just when uh, Marie is basically smoking outside of the house, and you see her reflection in the window of her smoking, and then you've got John David Washington in the background behind that. And the you would know more about this than me, but the way they had a, a strong focus, and then it was blurry, and it was just beautiful to look at, and so many bits of this film you could you could pause it and it would make nice artwork like the black and white is brilliant the way it's shot is brilliant and it really and this is what i wanted to touch upon next it it reminded me of marriage story i don't know if you got that sense as well yeah no i definitely got the sense of marriage story in 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 that it's a very strong character driven movie but a lot of similarities but you know what it's it's its own film it's so original yeah. in that sense as well like marriage story was original but this is taking it to a whole new level yeah because like you said we've got two actors it, the film's about what an hour and 40 minutes and it's just focusing on them their relationship their struggles and i'm gonna go on the record and say it it's probably the my favorite film that i've seen since I'm not going to say since Parasite. Parasite won Best Picture. It's the best film I've seen probably in the last 12 months. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what it's better than, but it is, for me, like, this has to now be considered as a Best Picture option. Like, it, it's it's just brilliant, and I really, truly mean brilliant. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and I think we've said enough about this movie now, and we should ask ourselves questions. Uh, David... Malcolm and Marie, is it worth it? Malcolm and Marie, which is coming out globally on February 5th, is 100% worth it. The acting is astounding. The cinematography is gorgeous. It's a roller coaster of a journey, which will make you laugh and cry. Um, it's one of my favourite films in the last 12 months. It demands a watch. You must, must, must watch this film. And I want to make that very, very clear. Um, watch it. Craig. For you, Malcolm and Marie, is it worth it? Yes, this film is 100% worth watching. If you can somehow see this film in a cinema, go and see it in a cinema. But as I, uh, as David said, as I've said already as well at some point in this um, show, it is out on February the 5th um, globally on Netflix. Do do hunt it down, go and find it, go and watch it wherever you can because you know what, it is just exhausting beautiful poetic um and and just a a true hollywood romance film but in total originality so well yeah. done to the entire cast and crew of this film honestly absolutely sensational So our next review is One Night in Miami and this is about one evening 
on the February the 25th, 1964, where four icons of sports, entertainment and activism celebrated one of the greatest upsets in boxing history in a modest motel room in Miami. Now, after claiming the world heavyweight title for the first time, Cassius Clay, played by Eli Gorey, got together with three friends, human rights activist Malcolm X, who's played by Kingsley Ben-Adir, music superstar Sam Cooke, played by Leslie Odom Jr., and football legend and emerging action movie hero Jim Brown, played by Aldous Hodge. Now, One Night in Miami is the fictional imagining of the historic night these towering figures spent together. The four Four men engage in passionate debate about their roles as celebrities and leaders as a, pitiful, as a pivotal moment in the civil rights movement. Directed by Regina King and written by Kemp Powers based on his award-winning play One Night in Miami, let's take a moment, let's take a moment to take a look and listen at a clip. Yes, yes, Cassius Marcellus Clay is the new heavyweight champion of the world, boy. Yes, he is. And I don't even have yes, a scratch on my face. Oh my goodness. Cash. Cash? What? Cash, what? Why am I so pretty? Uh, (laughs) And I'm only 22 years old. There is no way I'm supposed to be this great. Look, Alexander the Great conquered the whole world at the age of 30, and I conquered the world of boxing at 22 (laughs) without sustaining so much as a scratch. There he goes. You do the math. All right. When, when is this party going down? Yeah, that's a good question. What's on the agenda, Malcolm? Well, I thought this would be a wonderful chance for us to reflect on what's happened tonight. Like our young brother said, there's no denying that greater forces were at work. You mean no one else is coming? Well, rest assured, my brother, you're not missing anything. So that was a clip from One Night in Miami. I think that's a really great clip. We've got all of our protagonists and all of our characters there. Um, Where do I start with this film? Well, it's a theatrical directorial debut for Regina King. Um, She has done some documentary and TV work as a director, but this is her theatrical debut. Um, The screenplay, as Craig said in the introduction, is by Kemp Powers, who also worked on the screenplay of Soul. Um... What I would say about this film is it has a really good start, Craig, and it, intru- and it does really, really well in introducing all of our main characters. One by one, um, we're, we're given an introduction to them. And I can't emphasise enough how huge in themselves each of these characters are. Um, hugely important historical figures, cultural figures, social figures, and people that represented um, power. Uh, at a time where 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 black people were being horrifically oppressed, um, and I actually I actually watched a, a short documentary on YouTube about um, Malcolm X and um, Cassius Clay and these four gentlemen um, about what it was like socially and culturally for black people at the time, and I I, I I've done my research. I, I know history quite well, but seeing it again unfolding this documentary really just drove home how important and how big these figures were. Um, and yeah, I mean, I could talk a little bit more, but I'd love to hear, Craig, what, what, you, what you made of the film. Well, f- first of all, um, Kemp Powers 
being the uh, the writer on this film, uh, you know, writing the play, but also then writing the screenplay for this film. His idea for this film came about from reading a paragraph in a book that touched upon that these four people met on one night in Miami. And that's all he knew about that night. Um, you know, he devoured everything that he could um, about these people's lives, learning about how these four people sort of converged and how they might have become friends. Um, and that these four black men that were so unapologetically, um, you know, talking outrightedly about the, the, their civil rights in each of their own way. And it was, it, it's Kemp's, Kemp Powers' way of bringing these four characters together and understanding their motives and understanding their uh, their choices in life and why they wanted to do the things that they do and but also looking in depth at their responsibilities as these incredibly powerful black people in society yeah. at that time and and being these trailblazers in 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 the sense of you know being on top of their game in in music in sports in film in, in in and 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 being simply a civil rights activist as well and yeah you know the, the film is just wonderfully acted and it does feel a little bit like a play and i think yeah. we got that same sentiment from from Ma Rainey's black bottom but it didn't feel too confined like a play might when you're in a theater um, it felt open world almost. It did feel like yeah. there were obviously other locations used, but the, the the majority of the film is taking place within that one that one room in yeah. a motel. And the way that the camera moves, however, through those scenes, it's not too dissimilar to that that you know um, uh, not the recording studio, but the the rehearsing room in Marani Marani's yeah. Black Bottom where. It's a very small, confined room, but the way that the camera gets so up and personal and the way that the camera moves and interweaves between the characters and, and spins almost, that it gives you this much bigger sense of where they are in the world as well as being in this room. And the, the, the way that the characters and the actors carry themselves in this film is true testament to the way that we overlook this very play like script because it is adapted from a script and it's adapted by the person who originally wrote it who's going to want to keep in as much as he possibly can that he thinks is is worthy of it he's no stranger to writing a script for movies and stuff as we said he's worked on the script for and the story for for soul so you know he he is somebody who is is aware of of where and how the direction should be going but regina king being uh you know her theatrical debut here um she as you said she has done tv and she has done um uh, like tv movies perhaps i think she's done as well yeah yeah but she's off the back of winning uh best supporting actress was it at the oscars um in 2018 in 2018 from for um if bill street could talk was it um and 
she, she the reason why they chose her to direct this film was because of her globe speech because she also won a, a golden globe and her speech really moved a lot of people that were working on this film producers and they felt that she was the right choice on the back of that and then looking at the work that she's done on tv and stuff in terms of directing she was the right person and i think she definitely was she got the best out of these actors like really really did um Ben uh, Adir, um, sorry, forgive me, I'm going to get that wrong. Kingsley Ben Adir, King- there we go. Um, he he was absolutely like 100% Malcolm X in this film, mm. but his own version of Malcolm X. Like he he just sold this film to me, and yeah. but not only that, Eli Gorey, who plays Cassius Clay, who goes on to become Muhammad Ali at the end of this movie. Um, a lot yeah. of you history buffs out there will know this. If you don't, I apologise for possibly spoiling the film for you there. But it, it, <laughs> to be fair, it's in it's it's written in history. Everybody knows who this person is. Yeah. If you don't, then you know now you do. Um, he he's for me. He's absolutely sensational as well. He's just mm. on top of his game in this film. And then um, Sam Cooke, Leslie Odom Jr., is musically breathtaking as well as acting. And just, yeah, I mean, even the opening to this film with um, um, Jim Brown, um, who's played by Aldous Hodge, that opening scene was unbelievable. Like... when when that I don't want to spoil it because it's a brilliant opening but when that moment happens that everybody's going to go oh damn this is what we're talking about like this is what this film represents that moment like the look on his face like the way that he reacted was just incredible this film for me on first watch was one of my favourite films of this year so far. And I know we're not far into it, but we, we've watched quite a few films um, mm. and possibly maybe in the last, maybe the last three months, I'd say. This yeah. film was, until I saw Malcolm and Marie, my favourite film so far in the last mm. three months. Um, that's saying something, I think, because Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was incredible as well. Yeah. We're, we're, get, we're into the, the season where Oscar films are coming out yeah no more so it would seem on streaming platforms at the minute but yeah just incredible films and uh, yeah this is number two at the minute for me 100 percent. um what did you think on your first watch so i've actually watched this film twice i i'll be honest so me and craig don't watch these films together for obvious reasons we, we don't live together and there is a lockdown um <laughs> But we do text each other and we don't give any spoilers away. But I knew that Craig was quite hot on this. So I went in with quite high expectations. On my first watch, I, I must admit, I was I was not let down, but I took issues with um, with some of the things in the film. I, I, I think the edit could be tighter, for example. I think the film is maybe a little too long. And there's certain scenes that I think could be cut out and make it a bit more like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, a bit more of an intense piece. Um, But it was my second watch, actually, um, that really... I'm not as hot on it as Craig is, but it was my second watch that really bumped up my opinion to this film. Because as Craig so eloquently put, um, our four um, actors here, 
um, Kingsley Benadir, Eli Gorey, Aldis Hodge and Leslie Odom Jr. in their own right give fantastic performances. But for me, Kingsley Benadir is Malcolm X. Um, I said to Craig, I think he steals the show. And I think you disagree with that, don't you? You think they're all... I think they are all absolutely on par on, i wouldn't say they're absolutely on par but i don't think he steals the show i think they are without yeah. with one of them the film almost falls apart you need yeah. to have all four of them for the film to be carried but but malcolm yeah. x and and that, that intense character that is you know here that he is the person that connects all of these dots together in that sense you know yeah. he is a very necessary character and one that is very much so needs to be on point, and I think Kingsley Benadir did an absolutely spot-on job with him. He really, really yeah. did. Um, but yeah, not quite stealing the show, but definitely carrying it, definitely connecting the dots. Yeah, absolutely. And on, on that second watch, it's Malcolm X that is saying to these people, you know, you've got a, 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 a musician and two incredibly powerful black sportsmen. He's saying, you must use this platform to help implement change. And there's certain speeches that are absolutely brilliant. Um, online, Craig, I don't know if you know this, in my research, there's obviously a lot of comparison um, between Kingsley Benadir and Denzel Washington. Mm. Um, Denzel Washington played Malcolm X in Spike Lee's film called Malcolm X in 1992, um, which I have seen. It's a very different film and it's a very different performance because Malcolm X sees um, Malcolm X develop from where he was and in prison and stuff like that into who he became. Whereas um, Kingsley Benadir's Malcolm X, he's, he's already made that journey. So to yeah. me... And you also see the humour that you don't see as well in, 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 in that 1992 film. Like you see this, yeah. this, this uh, Malcolm X that has these jovial moments with his children and you see this, mm. this love as well for the children and, and, and for his wife as well. And, and, and I think yeah. it's, in that sense, it's a very different performance and a very different Malcolm X in that sense as well. It's the same yeah. person, but it, it sees a different side to him and imagines a different side yeah. to him as well, because those conversations are obviously not uh, visible. It's, it's what um, yeah. uh, Kemp Powers has, has imagined that these conversations would be. And also this, it's just carrying the fact that social responsibility in that time, in that era for when social responsibility for a black person is just so important. Like if you are mm. a powerful, respected in somewhat man uh, in society by a black community, you've got to rally those troops. You've got to, you've got to try and, 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 fight for what is right and you've got to show yeah. the the that the, the prejudice that's that's going against them is just wrong and 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 highlight it and he he so does that and malcolm x you know he's telling them you've got responsibilities as a musician to write songs about yep our history you know, they compare, yeah, and, and, the, and the struggle, struggle as, as well. well. And, and, you know, he plays, there's a moment in the film where he plays a, a Bob Dylan track and says, this is a white man who has written our story. Why haven't yeah. you done that? But, and yeah. it's such a great moment in the film. And uh, yeah, mm. no more. I'm not saying any more now because I think uh, you can ask me questions a bit, unless you have anything else to say, really. 
Um, I mean, I did have a bit Go more to it. say, but if you want to round it, no, it was just I. I just wanted to say, like you said, that comparison between Denzel and Kingsley Benadire, different films, different scripts, different directors. I think it's like comparing apples and oranges. The thing, the, the encouraging thing is that Denzel Washington did go on to get a Best Actor in a Leading Role nomination, and Kingsley Benadire is very, very, very much um, in the in the Oscars race. Um, and and that's all I wanted to say, really. There's, I mean, this film is going to be potentially nominated in four or five different categories. Um, it could get a Best Picture nomination. Uh, I think it will get a Best Picture nomination. But I watched this film twice, and I'm glad I did. Good stuff. <laughs> so I'm going to yeah. ask you questions then. Uh, David, One Night in Miami, is it worth it? Yes, One Night in Miami. <clears throat> Do excuse me. <laughs> excuse my buffoonery. Um, One Night in Miami, which is currently available on Amazon Prime, um, is definitely worth it. It's a fantastic theatrical, theatrical directorial debut from Regina King. It features four powerhouse performances. Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, One Night in Miami. What more could you want? Watch this movie. Oh, good. Good Lord. Um, Craig. <laughs> Craig. Oh, sorry, I got so carried away there. One. I, I forgot about you again. Oh, damn it. Craig, one night in Miami. Is it worth it? Yes. For the reasons you've already just outlined there, for the reasons we outlined in that, in this review, this is 100% worth it. Go and see it. Um, again, if there is a theatrical release of this in your local cinema of any sort, I know UK listeners, you're not going to be able to go and do that. We are in a full lockdown, um, but mm. you guys can go to Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime and watch it right now. But those in the US and other countries that are able to get to a cinema and it's playing in a cinema, go and see it. Um, it's it's fantastic. 100% worth it. So our next film we're reviewing is The White Tiger. Balram Halwai narrates his rise from poor villager to successful entrepreneur in modern India. Cunning and ambitious, our young hero jockeys his way into becoming a driver for Ashok and Pinky, who have just returned from America. Society has trained Balram to do one thing, be a servant, so he makes himself indispensable to his rich masters. But after a night of betrayal, he realises the corrupt lengths they will go to trap him and save themselves. On the verge of losing everything, Balram rebels against a rigged and unequal system to rise up and become a new kind of master. After that synopsis, I think it will be good to take a little listen to a clip. I would not let him tell me. My fate was a shack in a slum. Over the next weeks, I learned the ways drivers cheat their masters. Number one, give your master phony invoices for repairs that are not necessary. Thank you, sir. Two, sell your master's petrol to other drivers. 
As you gain confidence, cruise around picking up and dropping off paying customers. It has many pickup points. Over time, you will learn them all. When I looked at that cash, I didn't feel guilt. I felt rage. So coming back in here for this film, um, I didn't know what to expect when um, I saw that this was available for us to watch. And um, I went in completely blind and I didn't know much about it. But I have now discovered that this is obviously directed by um, Ramin Bahraini, who isn't. Uh, he's he's not advert to the subject matter of a working class struggle he spent a long time exploring these subjects on screen from um a film called man push cart which is is a really good film and uh, a more recent effort which was 99 homes um the, the you've got this strange sensibility here of uh, a, a a a very poor young man who trying to work his way up into uh, some kind of you know, ability to to just simply have a life or pay his way, and it's it highlights to me a, a world of pure inequality. And yeah. there's there seems to be in in a lot of these films that we've watched recently, in terms of perhaps if we look at the comparison between Parasite and this, that, that you know the, yeah. the, the yeah. difference between the poor who are just simply really poor and the rich who are simply really rich. There doesn't seem to be that middle ground. The the working class doesn't seem to exist and it shines a light on this, this, this world in India. Now the slumdog millionaire did this, uh, I suppose originally, but that this film is, very different where slumdog millionaire seemed to have quite, I think it was a bit of a musical almost. It was a bit more colorful and out there. This has this dark undertone running throughout it. And it has this incredible dark humor almost as well. There is some humor to it, but, but very dark. And it, it's a true rags to riches, but in a parasite kind of way, I guess, but it's, yeah. it surprised me. It surprised me a lot because I didn't think I was going to like it from the opening 10 minutes. And then after half an hour, I really bought into it and really understood the, the consequences and actions of our main character here, who, who really is trying to, understand where he fits in in this world and you know trying to find a reason why why did his dad never show him to how to brush his teeth or comb his hair or or do all these things and he's seeing another life that he never imagined he could have and yeah i mean i'm gonna bring you in here now david any what was your original thoughts when you were going into the film did you have any preconceptions did you know what you were looking at before you went in so we managed to source this film early to get a review out bang on time on in the day of its release. And like Craig, I, I, I didn't, I'm trying to avoid trailers, Craig, as much as I can and go into a film completely blind, not reading a synopsis. And 
what I would say is this film for me had a really vibrant and engaging start and I was captivated straight away. It does have this constant monologue over the top, this voiceover, and that can be distracting in some yeah. films. But for me personally, this voiceover really, really works um, in this movie. It allowed me to get to know our protagonist. It allowed me to engage with our protagonist and I think Craig put a really good point there about particularly in places like India, there is a huge divide between the rich and the poor. And we're not talking about poor people who are, say, living on the on the breadline where they can afford to eat and they can just about put food on the fam on the table for the family. We're talking about people who can't afford to eat, who can't afford to put a roof over their head. And I made some notes and and in my notes, basically, I've I've written down a quote from the film and our protagonist says that India is two countries in one, an India of light and an India of darkness. And I think that's so, so important for this film because India, on the one hand, has this booming economy and there's there's great prosperity and wealth, but there's also absolute poverty, like I said. Um, and our protagonist is literally like a phoenix rising from the ashes, is coming from a place of real, real poverty. Yeah. Um, sorry, terms... were you, <laughs> you going to go anywhere else with that? Sorry. <laughs> well, I've got lots of thoughts about the film. I just didn't know if you wanted to come back in. No, no, I, I thought you were going to say more. So I was waiting for you to carry on. <laughs> That's all right. Would, would you like me to come back in though? Yes, please. Okay. Well, I, I think, to, I think I'm sort of ready to sort of round it off in some ways, because I think the film sort of has this really intense, heart pumping kind of ending that still manages to capture the essence of what this film was at the beginning of the film in terms of visual texturedness layered performances um it's just fantastic use of framing and we've got some imagery that we're using to promote this episode with this film in it that is really striking there's a, a, a scene where um they're talking uh, to each other the um our main protagonist and his master so to speak and he's is it an airport i think it's an airport yeah. um and it's just brilliant camera positioning and and cinematography and and direction really and i think I think it's a surprising, a surprisingly um, a great watch because I knew nothing about it going into it, and because of that fact, like it surprised me. Like, yeah, you know, if I knew something about it, I obviously wouldn't have been surprised going into it. And I think that's the only reason I'm surprised is because I've watched it completely blind and yeah. really fell in love with this film. And I think it's a really, really, really good watch and a satirical watch at, at that, but a really, really good one. Yeah, I just wanted to touch briefly upon what's good about this film is, like you say, it does take that darker turn, that Parasite-esque turn. Mm. But there's some really great, there's some real moments of humour in this film as well. I love the I love the nicknames that they had for people like the Mongoose and the Buffalo. Um, and there is moments of real, real beauty in this film. And our protagonist, again, talks about being caught in the rooster coop. He talks about how 99.9% of people are caught in that coop where they can't get out. And he's trying to get out. He's trying to escape. Um, the film has continued character development. It's really well paced as well, Craig. I yeah, don't know yeah, if you yeah. realise that. Yeah, 100%. It, it, it builds and it builds and it builds. And you're on a knife edge. Um, and when it takes that darker turn, it's it's 
shocking in many, many ways. Uh, and I'm so happy I went into this film blind and I'm so happy I saw it. Yeah, um, me too, me too. Um, and I think with that, we can probably round the, round the review off, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And do you want to ask me questions first? Because you always forget. <laughs> I, I, I will ask I will ask you the question first, Craig. The White Tiger, which is available on Netflix as of the twenty second of January. So today. Is it worth it? <laughs> today, so the episode's out today. So it's available now. The White Tiger, is it worth it? Yes, this film is one hundred percent worth watching on Netflix, if you're into, you know, you liked Parasite, you liked Slumdog Millionaire, you like those sort of films, you will get a definite um, response to this film. Like you will feel what we felt when watching it. And that's, you know, gaining an understanding and seeing this wealth divide come into this humorous, dark um uh, a movie that's that's been brilliantly told on on screen and um i think it's 100 percent worth watching david the white tiger is it worth it yes this film is 100 percent worth it and i just want to say that ardash gaurav who plays balram um i think he gives a a, a brilliant performance a layered performance a powerful performance i went into this film blind and i'm glad i did like i said it's it's engaging it's a real roller coaster and like craig said if you like slumdog millionaire and if you like parasite it's like a a love child of those two films it's out now on netflix the white tiger 100 percent worth it <laughs> interrupt this broadcast or visit worth it the film review podcast for an important announcement if you're enjoying the podcast we would like to remind you that you can now become a patreon supporter for as little as three dollars a month this helps the podcast to continue to grow as well as offering the potential for bonus content and is it worth it merchandise your support helps the podcast stay alive so why not become a patreon supporter today head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash is it worth it podcast So our next review is Blythe Spirits and this sees a spiritualist medium hold a seance for writer who is suffering from writer's block but accidentally ends up summoning the spirit of his deceased first wife which leads to an increasingly complex love triangle with his current wife of five years. <laughs> Director Edward Hall reimagines the play by Noel Coward and uh, we don't have a clip for this one but we can go straight into the review and i'd like for you david <laughs> to start and where do we start um so this is going to be a really really fun review because i have no idea what craig thought of this film um I'll give a brief summary. So it starts in England in 1937 and our protagonist is clearly suffering from uh, writer's block. And it has this really comedic start where he's hitting the whiskey hard. He's surrounded by books and screwed up um, papers because what he's actually doing is adapting his own story um, into a screenplay. And I found the, the start of this film quite funny um quite engaging um 
And they, one thing I will say is they do make a, he makes a joke that he's he's not only suffering from writer's block, he's also suffering downstairs. And I'll let our viewers, they should realise what that means. Um, and he said it was um, like playing billiards with a rope, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, oh which, which really makes me laugh. And it's a very quirky film um, with this great soundtrack and this really quirky beat. Um, and, and, and his friend, who's a doctor, believe it or not, says, well, I've got some pills and fetamins actually that should really perk you up and then he goes on this ridiculous journey doesn't he where he's really pumped up and he's he's driving and he's like life's amazing and 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 I then quite what enjo- happened <laughs> I, I I quite enjoyed the first 30 minutes of this movie um then then it got a bit ridiculous um we have Judy Dench, who is, you know, a goat, one of the greatest of all time. I think she's an absolutely fantastic actress playing this. I don't know what you would call it. What does goat mean? Goat, greatest of all time. Oh, that's what it, that's exactly what yeah. it means. Okay, great. Uh, and I, I'm not. I'm not sure she is the goat actually, but she's she's one of the best of all time. She's she's a <laughs> she's 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 a phenomenal actress. Um, she put in a, a really bizarre performance in. Uh, what was that film on Disney Plus that we reviewed? Um, Artemis oh, Fowl. Artemis Fowl, the foulest film of them all. Yeah, which was which was really bizarre. But she plays this. What would you describe it as, Craig? I'm I, I'm I've got a bit of writer's block myself. Well, she plays a medium, like a, a spiritualist, yes. who is. Um, you believe that she might be a bit of a fraud at the beginning of the film, yeah. and, but you know what? You know, the first 30 minutes, I completely agree with you. It, yeah. it, I, it made me chuckle. It made me laugh. And I thought, this is going to be really fun. And I thought, you know, Dan Stevens in the opening scenes was great. Isla Fisher was great as well. You know, yeah. it, this, this, it, it felt like a, a, a play, which it is, based on Noel Coward's original play. Um, and I did feel like it was going in a direction that could have been really really good but it actually turned into a bit of a car crash i think it mm. it it lost its humor by pumping it up to like the number 12 dial on a on a, a dial that only has 10 numbers on it and yeah. and and it kind of really lost me i i didn't really find it funny in the places where it was trying to be funny the love triangle of which would usually possibly be quite fun it felt it it just felt like a TV movie. It mm. felt like something that was made for TV and not for cinema. Um, you know, the, the 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 two people that are good in it is Dan Stevens and Judi Dench. I think they are the two yeah. best standout performances in the film, and they lift the film up. But I don't think I don't think for a minute that the film has achieved what the original 1945 film did, Mm. which actually managed to win an Oscar. Um, I do not think this film gets anywhere near near, uh, what the theater production would have been like. Um, You know, uh, the, the original uh, film was adapted to the screen by David Lean, I believe. And I, I am astonished that this has been allowed to actually come out because it feels unfinished. It feels, it felt very, very unfinished in terms of scripting um, and ad- adaptation of, of 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 an original play, and it just didn't feel, it didn't feel good 
really to watch at all apart from the first 30 minutes where it was yeah. like yeah i'm i'm down with this i'm i can enjoy a comedy i've been looking for a comedy to watch yeah we've we've had a lot of heavy films recently exactly and it it just didn't get past it didn't get past what it needed to get past and when that was i don't know the, the it, there was something wrong here and i i'm not i can't quite put my finger on it can you can you help me yeah i think what the, what the problem is is you said it was almost like a tv show like this could have worked as a, a 30 minute short piece um because the the style and the humor in the script is is effective for the first 30 minutes but even though the film's only like an hour and a half long that last or that second that that hour after the first 30 minutes it it feels like a car that's that's lost its steering so it's still moving at a pace, but the director doesn't know where it's going. And I don't think the actors do either. And it ends up being this sort of a bit of a ridiculous ending, really. Um, a bit of a disappointing ending. We did actually have some correspondence um, about this film uh, on Facebook from Anne-Marie Brooker, who said, Blythe Spirit is fabulous. It's really silly from beginning to end. Great casting sets. And the dialogue is wonderful. Sorry, great casting, great sets, and the dialogue is wonderful. And really appreciate that feedback there, Anne-Marie. Um, and it is really silly from beginning to end. And I think that's why it doesn't work, because it starts to grate on you. And it tries to take a sort of serious turn at one point, and that doesn't work either. No, <laughs> it's not funny. It's not serious. Mm. It's neither anything that... <laughs> I don't know. It just... Look, I honestly, I we Charis and I both watched this one together, and we thought we 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 watched the trailer for it, and we thought at the, the funniest bits were in the trailer. Yeah. I have to say, and we laughed at the trailer. We thought, okay, we'll give it a go. It doesn't look like it's going to be great. And you know what? When sometimes when you look at trailers, you just know. And the first thirty minutes, I was like, okay, this could this this should be good. Then actually, let's think about it. It's got Dan Stevens in it. It's got Isla Fisher in it. It's got Leslie Mann in it. It's got Judy yeah. Dench in it. For goodness' sake, it yeah. should be a good film, but it's not. And I think it's down to the adaptation of the story. It's down to I think a lot of the set and the way that the the, the film is possibly filmed as well. It yeah. just feels very TV. Um, Anne-Marie, I appreciate your feedback. And you know what? In this lockdown time, maybe this is a film that people need. It's it's silly from start to finish. You're right. But I don't think it's funny. Um, but, you know, if you found it funny, I'm sure there were... And, and silly and, and what you needed all the way through, then I think there would be other people who think that. And if yeah. you felt the same as Anne-Marie or you agree with us or you have a completely different opinion email the show you can email the show at my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com that email address again is my mail is worth it at is it worth it podcast.com David um do you have anything else you want to add for this review I did yeah and it was just so when this guy is obviously his his his, his deceased wife is is manifested as a real person yeah and they sort of make this joke about the fact that he's going mad and he's having hallucinations. And there's one point in the film where he actually ends up in a mental institution and they refer to it, I think as the loony bin. Mm. And for me, for someone who, who has a mental health condition, I, I just felt that it, it, that wasn't right. Like they were making a joke 
about hallucinations and about being put in a mental institution and having electric shock therapy, which is a treatment that was used at the time where people would be electrocuted, basically, their brain would be electrocuted. And for me, that just felt that just felt wrong and it and it wasn't funny because people do suffer with hallucinations with mental health conditions and i didn't like the fact they went down that route and for me it just it just didn't work they, again they were they were trying to be humorous weren't they and yeah. actually it it was very misjudged i think um yeah yeah i think i think questions need to be asked uh, if questions need to be asked, questions shall be asked. Craig, <laughs> for you, Blythe Spirit. Ooh, <laughs> is it worth it? Uh, no, this film is definitely not worth it. I mean, it's found its rightful home on Sky Cinemas, buried on the dreadful Now TV app. Um, if you have that on the <laughs> it's Apple TV, poor, it? it is very poor. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely um, one that I would possibly just leave. Um, to if you've watched every single film in the entire world this will be the last one to watch i think oh i think um, that's a bit harsh and i well that's my opinion i th- i think i think that's a bit harsh craig this this isn't as bad as that this is we didn't get the trumpet out so it's not as bad as that i mean i, I don't, don't have the trumpet saved on the roadcaster so i can't just press it so yeah but, but I, I don't think it's trumpet worthy all right blithe spirit is it worth it I'm going to say Blythe Spirit is not worth it. Um, I really enjoyed the first 30 minutes. I liked the way the film was going. It was quite funny, but it ju- it just feels like a car that doesn't have a steering wheel and it doesn't know where it's going. And when it does or finally arrive... Pardon? Or any brakes. Or any brakes. And there is a scene, actually, in the film where that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it it doesn't know its final destination. And when it gets to that final destination, it doesn't make much sense. It's a bit disappointing. But if, like Anne-Marie, you're looking for a comedy, maybe, maybe dig it out. It's now time to review Outside the Wire, which is currently available on Netflix. Set in the future, Harp, played by Damson Idris, a drone pilot for the US military, is sent into a deadly militarised outpost to confront the human costs of his button pushing. There he finds himself working for his new commanding captain of officer captain leo played by anthony mackie he boldly announces plans to infiltrate the demilitarized zone and apprehend a warlord who intends to launch a network of dormant nuclear weapons let's take a little listen to a clip dress lieutenant double time what's this you wear your uniform out there you'll be a standing target Thought I'd be guarding a fence, sir. <laughs> I don't have any specialist training as a field agent. Don't worry. I'm special enough for both of us. You're a... You're commanding officer. Fourth generation biotech, and I'm gonna give you 60 seconds to deal with it. So that was Anthony Mackie and um, I forgot his name. (laughs) 
<laughs> Dan some Idris. There we go. I'm so sorry. Um, it's the end of the show, nearly the end of the show. So forgive me. Um, yeah, so you see you've got those two guys in the clip there for um, Outside the Wire. For, for me, this to begin with, the, the title of this film, I keep getting it wrong. I keep forgetting what it's called. I keep forgetting... Mm. That it's, I keep saying over the wire, under the wire, out, I, 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 it's just beyond like, the wire, beyond, inside the wire. I keep, exactly. And outside the wire, for some reason, isn't sticking. I, I don't know why, um, but it's not. But anyway, we're in the year 2036. And um, to begin with, when the film's opening, you don't really see that this is set in this, 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 I don't know future or dystopian future perhaps yeah near um, future i would say yeah. yeah definitely a near future it's not just it's not quite so dystopian is it um but we have um anthony mackie who is this terminator i suppose <laughs> i mean that's exactly what he is in this film isn't he yeah um, he is he is in, it's bizarre it is bizarre isn't it and it's it, it has a lot of interesting action scenes unfold on on screen that have these this near future resonance there in terms of robots and um transforming men well men who look like men but are actually robots i don't know he he is the only one that actually exists and <laughs> it's oh you know it's really difficult to say mm. off the bat what i thought of this film because intrigued me enough but it just didn't actually suspend my belief like in this yeah. setting in this near future that felt real in in a sense the things that could possibly be happening but the the robotics or the the translucent robot man just didn't really <laughs> feel didn't really feel it didn't feel like it was in its right era or in its right yeah. place. It just, it, it felt very, um, like if they plucked a plot device out of thin air and dropped it into this script about a man who disobeys orders and is sent to this, as you said, de demilitarized zone to, um, uh, as a consequence for his button pushing that it just didn't make much yeah. sense. Like the, the future elements or the cyborg element just didn't feel right in this film my mind is just conflicted for this film anyway but so i want to bring you in here and see if you can make any sense with me about this come on let's see what I, we can we can make I, of this film i th i actually think what you've said there makes perfect sense for the film because it is a very confused film um let's talk about the elephant in the room 2036 isn't that far away no it's not actually, it, is it? It, it? No, it sounds ludicrous. Twenty thirty six, but that isn't that far away. So it, it's it's only that's fifteen years, right? <laughs> if math serves me correctly, then yeah. yeah. Um, fifteen years time, they they've got these robotic soldiers called Gumps. Um, the U.S. troops are stationed as peacekeepers because a violent civil war has erupted in Eastern Europe, um, and. It, it, it doesn't feel right. However, however, it does have an engaging opening action sequence and there was some good moments and I, and I, and I was, I was engaged with the pace of this film. Um, it had plenty of twists and turns whilst 
still remaining followable. So some films just you really get confused. Maybe think of something like Tenet, where a lot of people didn't know what was going on. This film has twists and turns, but you manage to follow it. Um, however, it is it is littered with problems. And uh, my good friend and a, a regular listener of the show, James Williamson, actually sent me a message about this film. He's got a real interest in the military. And he said that there were so many parts of this film that were just inaccurate to the way the military would conduct themselves. And also he highlighted the character development of one of our protagonists. Um, let me just get that up. My apologies. Um, who, who, was, who was our main protagonist, Craig? Um, Harp, played by <laughs> Damson Idris. You forgot to. It's a forgettable performance. Well, this is the thing we're going to get on to. He plays this cool, calm and collected killer who's basically operating drones from the safety of, I believe it's the US, but he's in a safe place and he's operating these drones and he makes a certain decision to, to drop a bomb which kills two Marines but saves... 28 or something and for this punishment he's then sent into a war zone and from being this cool calm and collected killer he becomes this confused sometimes nervous sometimes irrational babbling idiot yeah he's the character development for for heart for damon idris doesn't make sense now is it damson damson sorry damson idris um sorry damson I don't want to criticise his performance because I don't think his performance is bad. I think the script and the direction and the overall idea of the film is poor. It's flawed, isn't it? It's flawed. And Anthony Mackie as Leo, as you said, this translucent, cyborg, robotic, futuristic man, even though it's 15 years' time. Prob probably <laughs> an Apple product. Probably an Apple product. Um, That'd be cool. That would be cool, yeah, an Apple robot. It's it. The reason this review is a bit of a shambles is because it reflects the film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a difficult one to 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 watch because it should be set much much further in the future than it is. Um, and I was really disappointed with the second half of this film, and I thought the ending was a real letdown. What, oh, what did you make yeah. of the ending? No spoilers, but the ending was. It was just too easy. Very yeah. easy and very, uh, I mean, it was also very predictable and yeah. um, and our character sort of somehow, our, our main protagonist somehow allows himself to have this character arc elevate so high that he's able to then see how to bring an end to all of this. And yeah. it doesn't make sense because throughout the a course of the film, he's being dragged through by Anthony Mackie's character, like yeah. being like literally being dragged all the way through, um, and he Anthony Mackie's character. We know what we wait f almost fifty, sixty minutes for us to see the true abilities of Anthony Mackie's character. Um, yeah, you know his his like he's a, he is a Terminator. He is a fighting machine, and he really kicks ass. Like he really does, and we wait a long time to see that. Yeah. Only for the ending to no spoilers, but just I don't know. It just puffs away in a in a in a, in a moment. Like it's it just didn't mm. have the same resolute ending that you would expect from a, a showdown of sorts. That's the best way I can sum that up. 
Yeah, the interesting thing is our, our bad guy is called Victor Koval. Um, and he's after nuclear weapons, Craig. You know, we're not talking about, um, you know, a, a bad guy setting off a couple of fireworks. This guy wants to destroy America and, and other parts of the world with nuclear weapons. And we never have that sense of Jeopardy. the world is good. Yeah. Like, we, it doesn't feel real. No. And, and at no point do we actually think the world is going to end with a nuclear explosion. And the ending is, is I've used this analogy before, it's like a firework that, 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 that just doesn't fire. It just sort of goes pop, pop, <laughs> poo. <laughs> and and, and it's, just, it's just a very disappointing ending. Um, it's the kind of film that some people will like, and it's a very Netflix kind of feel to it. It has a throw it on on a Tuesday evening and half watch it kind of movie. But um, I wish I could have done more justice to what James uh, Williamson sent me because he gave a fantastic review of this film. And I think Can't we've, you read we've it highlighted. Out? I can't. It was it was a voice message. Um, I would have played it on the show, but it, unfortunately it was six minutes long. Oh. Um, so I, we couldn't quite incorporate it. Tell tell James to um, make a shorter one, or, uh, or uh, I could say it to him. James, can you send us an email? My mail is worth it. Is it worth it? Podcast dot com, yeah. um, or just write him a le- write write a letter to David and give it to him um, <laughs> when you next see David uh, at any point, um, or maybe um, I don't know send him a, a message in a bottle i don't know um do, do something to get us your yeah. your views in a more yeah get it on the show but I, way that, yeah. rather than a six minute voice clip because we can't play that on there but it was a great voice clip um it was a great review so thank you james for that sorry we couldn't <laughs> play it um do you want to round this one off is there anything else you want to say i mean there's no there's there's nothing I mean, we try to talk about cinematography and production design. All right, visual effects, visual effects. You know okay. what? I thought visual effects were decent. Okay. There we go. Okay. That's Anything a... else to say about that? Um, no. Yeah. See, this is the problem. <laughs> we, we Normally we would try and dive into the, 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 the cinematography and the production design, the hair and makeup, the costumes, the soundtrack. Um, did I have any notes on the soundtrack? Um, no. Well, I think that leads us to say one thing, really. <laughs> David, uh, inside, outside, under, over the wire, um, was it worth it? Outside the wire. I'm going to say, and listening back to the shows, we recently we've said a lot of films are worth it because we are reviewing films that are potentially going to be nominated for Oscars and stuff like that. We're in the middle of award season. But outside the wire, I, I don't think it's worth it. I, I, I really don't. I, I just think you'll be disappointed. And I don't think the performances are bad. I just think the direction... it does. The film doesn't know where it's going. A bit, a bit like um, Blythe Spirit. And again, when we get to the ending, the ending's just very disappointing. So outside the wire, I would... And I hate giving bad reviews, but I'd give it a miss. Craig, for you, outside the wire, you know, is it was it worth it? Um, no, I don't think this is worth it. I think there will be some people who do like this film. Um, I, I will try and lift, list some positive things about it, despite it not being worth it. I, I do think Anthony Mackie um, actually did a pretty good job playing this pretty badass cybotic, cybotic? 
I mean, I guess that's what it is. Um, Cybotic. Uh, <laughs> um, thing. Um, a, thing. Bit, a bit of a machine, um, literally. And um, the visual effects were nice. And that's about it, really. Um, other than that, no, this film was not worth it. And that was our review of Outside, Inside, Under. <laughs> oh, crack. Thank you very much for listening to week 51 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. If you've got any views on the films this week, you can contact the show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That is mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Oh, good timing. Uh, if you've got any... Uh, oh, I'm just rereading your bit. Sorry. Uh, follow us on social media. There's never, ever a good outro where we actually manage to do it correctly. It's anyway, because we script the damn thing. No, maybe we shouldn't. So follow us on social media. You can do that on Twitter at Film Is Worth It or search for Is It Worth It podcast uh, on Facebook and Instagram. If you're listening online through the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music and all good podcasts apps if you've listened to quite a few episodes now and you think the show is worth it and we hope you do why not share it with a friend we we really appreciate all the downloads we get it, it really does brighten up my day when i see them it certainly does brighten up mine as well but all it leaves us to say is uh he's been david long he's been craig fields and this was is it worth it <laughs> <laughs> Are we trying to go for a timing at the end? Is that what you're trying? Uh, uh, tr- very much so. Well, should we try it again? And yeah. this was Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Oh, that was a shamble. <laughs> that, the ending of these shows are getting worse and worse and worse. Should we just talk now amongst ourselves till the end, till the music finishes? How long's left? Uh, 22 seconds. 22 seconds. Um, so how's your mum? Ha, 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 ha.